Section One of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Nine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Nine, by Anonymous. Translated. By Richard Francis Burton. Night eight hundred and eighty nine. Now, when it was the eight hundred and eighty ninth night, she pursued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Nur al Din heard the voice singing these verses, he said in himself, Verily, this be the Lady Miriam, chanting without hesitation or doubt or suspicion of one from without. Would heaven I knew and my thought be true, and if it be indeed she herself or other self. And regrets redoubled upon him, and he bemoaned himself, and recited these couplets. When my blamers saw me beside my love, whom I met in a sight that lay open wide, I spake not at meeting a word of reproach, though oft it comforts sad heart to chide. Quoth the blamer, What means this silence that bars thy making answer that hits his pride? And quoth I, O thou who as fool dost wake, to misdoubt of lovers and love deride, the sign of lover whose love is true, when he meets his beloved, is mum to bide. And when he had made an end of these verses, the Lady Miriam fetched ink-case and paper, and wrote therein, After honour due to the Basmala, may the peace of Allah be upon thee, and his mercy and blessings be. I would have thee know that thy slave-girl Miriam saluteth thee, who longeth sore for thee, and this is her message to thee. As soon as this letter shall fall into thy hands, do thou arise without stay and delay, and apply thyself, so that she would have of thee with all diligence, and beware with all wariness of transgressing her commandment of sleeping. When the first third of night is past, for that hour is the most favourable of times, apply thee only to saddling the two stallions, and fare forth with them both to the Sultan's gate. If any ask thee whither thou wend, answer, I am going to exercise the steeds, and none will hinder thee, for the folk of this city trust to the locking of the gates. Then she folded the letter in a silken kerchief, and threw it out of the latticed window to Nur al-Din, who took it, and reading it, knew it for the handwriting of the Lady Miriam, and comprehended all its contents. So he kissed the letter, and laid it between his eyes. Then, calling to mind that which had blighted him with her of the sweets of lovely S, he poured forth his tears while he recited these couplets. Came your rich to me in the dead of night, and desire for you stirred heart and sprite, and remembered joys we in union joyed, praised the Lord, who placed us in parting plight. As soon as it was dark, 
Nur al-Din busied himself with making ready the stallions, and patiented till the first watch of the night was past, when, without a moment delay, Nur al-Din, the lover full of teen, saddled them with saddles of the goodliest, and leading them forth of the stable, locked the door after him, and repaired with them to the city gate, where he sat down to await the coming of the princess. Meanwhile, Miriam returned forthright to her private apartment, where she found the one-eyed wazir seated, elbow-propped upon a cushion stuffed with ostrich down, but he was ashamed to put forth his hand to her, or to bespeak her. When she saw him, she appealed to her lord in heart, saying, Allahumma, O my God, bring him not to his will of me, nor to me defilement decree after purity. Then she went up to him, and made a show of fondness for him, and sat down by his side, and coaxed him, saying, O my Lord, what is this aversion thou displayeth to me? Is it pride or coquetry on thy part? But the current byword saith, and the salam salutation be little in demand, the sitters salute those who stand. So if, O my lord, thou come not to me, neither accost me, I will go to thee and accost thee. Said he, To thee belong favour and kindness, O queen of the earth, in its length and breadth. And what am I but one of thy slaves, and the least of thy servants? Indeed, I was ashamed to intrude upon thine illustrious presence, O unique pearl, and my face is on the earth at thy feet. She rejoined, Leave this talk, and bring us to eat and drink. Accordingly, he shouted to his eunuchs and women, an order to serve food and they set before them a tray containing birds of every kind that walk and fly and in nests increase and multiply, such as sand-grouse and quails and pigeon-poults, and lambs and fatted geese and fried poultry, and other dishes of all sorts and colours. The princess put out her hand to the tray, and began to eat and feed the wazir with her fair finger-tips, and kiss him on the mouth. They ate till they had enough, and washed their hands, after which the handmaidens removed the table of food, and set on the service of wine. So Princess Miriam filled the cup, and drank, and gave to the wazir to drink, and served him with assiduous service, so that he was like to fly for joy, and his breast broadened, and he was of the gladdest. When she saw that the wine had gotten the better of his senses, she thrust her hand into her bosom, and brought out a pastel of virgin Cretan bang, which she had provided against such an hour, whereof, if an elephant smell a dirham's weight, he would sleep from year to year. She distracted his attention, and crumbled the drug into the cup. Then, filling it up, handed it to the wazir, who could hardly credit his senses for delight. So he took it, and kissing her hand, drank it off, 
but hardly had it settled in his stomach when he fell head foremost to the ground then she rose and filling two great pairs of saddle-bags with what was light of weight and weighty of worth of jewels and jacinths and precious stones together with somewhat of meat and drink donned harness of war and armed herself for fight she also took with her for nur al-din what should rejoice him of rich and royal apparel and splendid arms and armour and shouldering the bags for indeed her strength equalled her valiancy hastened forth from the new palace to join her lover on this wise fared it with the lady miriam but as regards nur al-din and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of night eight hundred and eighty nine night eight hundred and ninety now when it was the eight hundred and ninetieth night she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the lady miriam left the new palace she went straightways to meet her lover for indeed she was as valiant as she was strong but nur al-din the distracted the full of teen sat at the city gate hending the horses halters in hand till Allah, to whom belong majesty and might, sent to sleep upon him, and he slept. Glory be to him who sleepeth not. Now at that time the kings of the islands had spent much treasure in bribing folk to steal the two steeds, or one of them, and in those days there was a black slave who had been reared in the islands, skilled in horse-lifting, wherefore the kings of the franks seduced him with wealth galore to steal one of the stallions and promised him if he could avail to lift the two that they would give him a whole island and endue him with a splendid robe of honour he had long gone about the city of france in disguise but succeeded not in taking the horses whilst they were with the king but when he gave them in free gift to the wazir and the monocular one carried them to his own stable the blackmoor thief rejoiced with joy exceeding and made sure of success saying in himself by the virtue of the messiah and the faith which is no liar i shall certainly steal the twain of them now he had gone out that very night intending for the stable to lift them but as he walked along behold he caught sight of Nur al-Din lying asleep with the halters in his hands. So he went up to the horses, and loosing the halters from their heads, was about to mount one of them and drive the other before him, when suddenly up came the Princess Miriam, carrying on her shoulders the couple of saddle-bags. She mistook the black for Nur al-Din and handed him one pair of bags which he laid on one of the stallions after which she gave him the other and he set it on the second steed without word said to discover that it was not her lover then they mounted and rode out of the gate in silence till presently she asked o oh my lord nur al-din what aileth thee to be silent whereupon the black turned to her and cried angrily what sayest thou o damsel 
when she heard the slave's barbarous accents she knew that the speech was not of nur al-din so raising her eyes she looked at him and saw that he was a black chattel snub-nosed and wide-mouthed with nostrils like ewers whereupon the light in her eyes became night and she asked him who art thou o sheikh of the sons of ham and what among men is thy name he answered o daughter of the base my name is masood the lifter of horses when folk slumber and sleep she made him no reply but straightway bearing her blade smote him on the nape and the blade came out gleaming from his throat tendons whereupon he fell earthwards weltering in his blood and allah hurried his soul to the fire and abiding place dar then she took the other horse by the bridle and retraced her steps in search of nur al-din whom she found lying asleep and snoring in the place where she had appointed him to meet her hending the halters in hand yet not knowing his fingers from his feet so she dismounted and gave him a cuff whereupon he awoke in a fright and said to her o my lady praised be allah for thy safe coming said she rise and back this steed and hold thy tongue so he rose and mounted one of the stallions whilst she bestrode the other and they went forth the city and rode on a while in silence then she said to him did i not bid thee beware of sleeping verily he prospereth not who sleepeth he rejoined o my lady i slept not but because of the cooling of my heart by reason of thy promise but what hath happened o my lady so she told him her adventure with the black first and last and he said praised be allah for safety then they fared on at full speed committing their affair to the subtle the all-wise and conversing as they went till they came to the place where the black lay prostrate in the dust as he were an afrit and miriam said to nur al-din dismount strip him of his clothes and take his arms he answered by allah o my lady i dare not dismount nor approach him and indeed he marvelled at the blackamoor's stature and praised the princess for her deed wondering the while at her valour and stout-heartedness they fared on lustily and ceased not so doing all that night and halted not till the day broke with its shine and sheen and the sun shone bright upon plain and height when they came to a wide riverino lee wherein the gazelles were frisking gracefully its surface was clothed with green and on all sides fruit trees of every kind were seen its slopes for flowers like serpents bellies showed and birds sang on boughs aloud and its rills in manifold runnels flowed and indeed it was as saith the poet and saith well and accomplisheth the hearer's desire rosy red wadi hot with summer glow where twofold tale of common growth was piled in copse we halted wherein bent to us branches 
as bendeth nurse or wheedling child and pure cold water quenching thirst we sipped to cup-mate sweeter than old wine and mild from every side it shut out sheen of sun screen-like but wooed the breeze to cool the wild and pebbles sweet as maidens decked and dight and soft as threaded pearls the touch beguiled and as saith another and when birdies o'er warble its lakelet it gars longing lover to seek it where morning glows for like as to paradise lie its banks with shade and fruitage and fount that flows presently miriam and nur al-din alighted to rest in this body and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say end of night eight hundred and ninety